0: today, guys, we have a special guest. Today, we're going to do a switch in in this episode where we're going to be hearing the perspective of a caregiver's perspective of mental health, dealing with um, how she dealt with um, the mental health in her own family and what she had to do. So her name is Nicole Waldron. Nicole Waldron is an event specialist and inspirational speaker. As the founder of Victory Speaks podcast, she helps her listeners identify the blocks that are preventing them from living a victorious lifestyle and and provides them with tools to live a victorious lifestyle. Nicole also uses her personal lived experience as a caregiver to a son with a mental illness for advocacy. She shares her story and sits on many boards to affect change in the mental health community. With that said, I present to you, Nicole Waldron. Thank you very much for being a guest on our show today. Hi, Cleoni. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Awesome. So the first question I'll ask you is, tell us a bit more about your profession and the Victory Speaks podcast.
1: Well, my profession. So I am, I'm, I'm multifaceted. I'm an event specialist, and I have been in the event world for over maybe since I was like 16 or so. So it's it's a long time, um, over over 30 years um, doing events from fashion events to um, conferences, awards. The only thing I really stay away from is weddings. I only do weddings for like really close friends, you know, mm-hmm. and no brightzillas. Um, <laughs> no <price or> <laughs> No And, and that has also helped me pivot into doing different things. I have, I've been in production. I have been in television production, um, working with magazines and, um, and, um, and just doing all sorts of different things. It just has taken me on many journeys. I've worked in the Senate. I've worked for an MP, you know? Um, so the journey has been, um, quite interesting in, in my life. And then um, through the experience that, you know, when you, when you start producing events and stuff like that, it's very, it's very easy to transition into producing almost television in some ways, because some of that pivots into that or, or those skills transition into that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've always, you know, I, I remember a few years ago, I shouldn't say I remember a few years ago, I was actually gonna have a talk show and um, the person who had hired me to do it, but then something happened on their end. And even though we had filmed the first 18, 14 episodes, Wow. Um, it, um, and we went all the way up to Niagara Falls and filmed it. We had people from all over. Um, some things happened and we just we just didn't continue. So it's always been a passion of mine. It's always been something that of, you know, talking, speaking, interviewing people. And, um, and then when the pandemic came, it was like, you know, I kind of tested it out last year a little bit. But, you know, I just felt in my spirit. I knew in my spirit, I had to do it. I woke up one morning, two o'clock and I was trying to register Victory Speaks for like over a year and, and couldn't get it. And at two o'clock in the morning, it was there. It was available and I registered it. Wow. Um, so I knew, and then, you know, I kept getting the signs. I knew um, God was saying it's, it's time. And, um, and so Victory Speaks is like, Nicole means victory of the people. And so my name speaks Victory. My name means victory. And so I've always been about speaking life into people and, and um, whatever I do, it's to motivate, enlighten and empower individuals and their purpose. So even if I'm doing work for a company, that organization, or even if I'm volunteering must be you know empowering others or taking others to another level. Um, it's not about the money, even though I should have probably been looking more at the money, but it's more about alignment. It's more about people fulfilling who they are called to be. And so this is what Victory Speaks is all about. And even now in this time, it's more important that we remember to speak victory to ourselves so that we can live the life that we are called to live and be victorious. And victory looks different every day, but embracing those, those small victories. And as it all comes up together, it becomes you know one beautiful glass that is full
0: you know wow sounds very powerful definitely very very powerful so with that said we are going to move right into the interview so I'd like to for you to tell us more about your story your your mental health story um what your experience was and um basically what happened okay so that's that's uh
1: that's uh I'll try to give you the calls now. So I've actually been aware of my own mental health. It took me a while to even know when I went into depression, mm-hmm. um, maybe a few years after I had my son, you know, and, and life is changing and things are going up and down and being affected. Um, and and remembering watching uh, a person on TV one day, and she was talking about her depression and her life.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that just really got me, oh, this is what's happening. This is why you're up and down. And then, so, you know, dealing with that over the years and, and taking well, cause, cause you have to do some mental fitness I and mean, we're really not taught mental fitness. We taught physical fitness, fitness more often. Right. And so that really impacts on even the whole journey that I've been on. And then also in um, 2015, um, at the end of it, my son was in a car accident and a bike accident, sorry. And that um, he, re- he retained some head injuries and some other injuries. Uh, to his face that um, led to trans- general nerve pain in his face so that caused a lot of trauma and so he he experienced a uh, mental health crisis at various points after that and so that's been part of the journey and, and learning the mental health care system and and um, advocating for him and then seeing what family caregivers um Learn or know or how they supported or not supported and and how lonely the journey can be and um, how people don't know what to say even those that you know it's like if you get struck with an, a critical illness like cancer or like a heart attack or something people know what to say people know what to do they come across around they come around you they bring you do you need a casserole do you need a ride somewhere can we do groceries. But when it's mental health, there's very few people have people who will say to them, okay, can I do this? Because they just don't know and understand. And your capacity, whether it's yourself or especially if you have a loved one, and especially if you have a child or a sibling, the journey is very different than if they were struck with Alzheimer's later on in their life, because you're looking at a younger person, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's just a little bit of it in a nutshell.
0: Okay, okay. So the next question I have for you is, how old, you said this was in
1: 2015, so he was 20, he was just going on 21. He was just about to turn twenty-one.
0: Okay. Yeah. And how did you deal with that knowledge when you, when you found out that he had, was dealing with a mental illness? How did that, how did that affect you as a mother?
1: It was, it was hard because, you know, um, he went into what is called psychosis. Mm-hmm. And so that basically changes the personality of a person. Right. Um, because you know it comes with paranoia, it comes with you know um, lots of different behavior, um, and so I watched somebody who was very peaceful transition, and not knowing what to do and not knowing where to go for help, and then trying to figure it out. Um, fortunately, I had a couple people in my life um, throughout my time who who actually worked in mental health, so I was able to call and sometimes get some advice. Or because the thing is when you're trying to figure it out, the system is so fragmented, interesting in Canada, because it's not always that easy to get help. It's not always that easy when um, you need to know where to go, because even if you get them to the hospital in the emergency, there are limitations that the hospitals and stuff have, because if they're not an eminent danger, the mental health access, if you're not an imminent danger to yourself or to someone, um, they can only put a hold on you for like 72 hours. Unless they can prove, see that something else is happening, and then even that can be a battle. So um, the system the system is is an interesting one to navigate. And uh, then getting counseling for uh, a black male, and then even we didn't even have a diagnosis because we didn't know what was going on. Because we're dealing with he, for him we were dealing with multiple injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know uh, the trauma to the face, the trauma to his body. So there was a lot of you know tra- um, traumatic brain injury. So we were dealing with a lot of stuff. And so it's hard to watch as your, your, your loved one, your child, um, go through something and you're helpless,
0: you know? Wow. Wow. So with that said, I'd like to know, so what are some of your coping mechanisms, um, when you are to deal with, when you're dealing with some, with your son, what are some of the things that you have to do to just to cope? Uh, What are some things you do for your self-care? So my self-care first involves prayer.
1: I have a very, you know, I am not a religious person. I'm a relational person. I am a believer and I have really worked on my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And so my prayer and my worship is, is important and also having some rocks around me and the rocks being those iron sharpeners, those, those people in your life that I can go to that, that trust me and that can either pray for me, that can even talk me, you know, give me counseling. Um, and then, you know, there's there was some unhealthy things, um, which is the emotional eating, you know, chocolate yeah. can be your friend. So I'm convinced chocolate is a vegetable because <laughs> it comes from cocoa, you know. Uh, so um, some chocolate and, you know, the, the thing about it is when you're going through um, something like this, it's, you just don't have the capacity. I, I forgot how to cook. Um, I I forgot how to you know, like I would just, things that were just easy normally for me, I I was just forgetting. So it affected my memory. And it's only as you start realizing Mm -hmm. and, and, and if you're not tapped into the right places, you know, they're so focused sometimes on the patient. So whether it's your sister, your father, whatever it is, they forget to tap into or, or bring counsel to those that, that need it. And they forget the families. And so making sure that my vitamins were up uh, making sure my B12s and my vitamin D and my vitamin E and all those different things. Um, I should have been exercising more, but again, I didn't have the capacity. I didn't have, because even just doing it by myself was a lot. I cried a lot mm-hmm. um, um, and, and crying was good, but really and truly my, 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 my circle of my family and my core friends um, were very important to the journey um, and the support that I needed.
0: Okay. Okay. So, so what do you do when you feel overwhelmed? I mean, by it all? Um, what are some things that you do to help you with that? I know you pray. Um, definitely.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's, you know, that's the first thing And sometimes, you know, sometimes it's as simple as being self-compassionate and, and just doing nothing, just watching a movie, you know, TV watching or, or finding um, something uplifting to listen to. Comedy, I found was good because, you know, comedy, you know, brings the the, the serotonins and, the, and all those different chemicals. It was helping me to get revived again. Mm-hmm. And so um, things like that. And, and then also the advocacy part, getting involved, learning more about mental health, learning more about the supports that are out there. Um, Cause I just always, I'm always giving back. So I couldn't see that I would be going through something like this just for myself
0: mm-hmm. and not
1: being able to help someone else, another mother, another father, another, you know, brother, sister, grandparent. Um, I, I don't have all the answers, but you know, tapping into some of the resources that I had and, and, and asking for help, you know, or or sharing just sometimes, sometimes it was just a matter of just talking because sometimes you really, there's no advice to get. It's sometimes you just need to get it off your chest, what you're feeling.
0: Right, No. definitely, definitely. Okay, the next question I have for you is, so how do you balance your life, work, social life, children? Uh, What do you do to balance everything, to keep everything together?
1: Well, I don't always have it balanced
0: (laughs) it's an interesting thing because
1: we we like to have this great thing of of balance Um, but it's scheduling and it's appointments and it's um, sometimes it's redoing that schedule and making that list
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, and I put reminders on my phone Mm -hmm. and um, the things that are working on and getting organized because I'm such a community advocate and dealing with so many things I have to be organized um but then remembering what's important first and, and, and going back to the formula of, you gotta put your mask on when you're in an airplane, if it's going down before you help anyone else. Mm-hmm. And so looking at that and saying, okay, reprioritizing my priorities is what I've had to do and what I'm and consist- continuously doing um, because as things are changing and even with my podcast, it's making me, I have to now get things really in order so I'm literally doing doing schedules of this is what's happening today, this is what's happening tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going to work on this, you know, um, trying to get better at meal planning because you're meal planning for yourself. And uh, no matter um what the illnesses your loved one has or the age, you have to do the meal planning. Um, you have to get them to eat. Right. and you have to remember to eat. And sometimes takeout is your friend. Because mm-hmm. as I tell you on this journey of mental health, um, you're not getting the meals coming to you, and this is a five-year journey. So people kind of get tired; they have their own lives. Um, and but I've had a couple of friends who've stepped up, and you know sometimes they'll, they'll 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 surprise me. So that keeps me balanced, and my and my friends keep me balanced. My my you know I have I have the mentors, my my sister mentors, my brother mentors you know, that, that keep me balanced and, 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 and make sure that Nicole, how are you doing today? So mm-hmm. they make me self-check-in and that, that helps with the balance of my own self.
0: Okay. So when you, when you're with your family, did you find that you had a lot of family support when you were dealing with the mental health of your son? Yes, or yes. Also- yes
1: because we are close family okay. and um, I'm fortunate that we all live in the same building um so um yeah we all do my two sisters my parents so we all live we all live we're just different floors apart and it, it just happened that way you know and you know sometimes you don't even realize when God is really auditing your steps and he ordered our steps and uh, people say like I live in a co-op which is very different than living in a condo or something like that because it's very community centered so even though um, for most part I know most of my I know most of my neighbors yeah. you know And that was one of the beauties of living in a co-op. It's, um, you know, we have social activities. We have, you know, we don't have them as much as we used to. And then there's COVID, but, you know, we have meetings with our members. So it's, it's, it's very engaged. And, and so my family support is, is very much there.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Next question I have is, so what type of community supports are available to you? What were available to you and what is available to you as someone was with a mentor with, Having a child with a mental illness, what what's available in the community?
1: So one of the things that's out there, especially for the Black community, is um, the, the organization that I first went to was Sapacy and their program inside of CAMH, and um, so Sapacy is, is a uh, a mental um, health uh, program for the black and Caribbean community that was started like over 30 years ago. Um, at some point it went under the umbrella of CAMH. And so you don't have to be like a, in a hospital where you have to be in the catchment area. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't have to be in a catchment area. So I got a lot of support there. And um, even through CAMH, um, you know, some of the social workers there were really supportive and got me involved in the family advisory council uh, committee, which I sit on and, um, I got supports from them. And then I have friends who actually work in the mental health field who would check in and give me, you know, some of the advice when or or the counsel that I needed, asking questions when I didn't know where to ask questions. And then there were actually people who are going through the same experience. And that's the other part of the, the peer support is yeah. important. White, black, whatever, it doesn't matter. When it comes to the illness, there's no color. No there, yeah. You know, there's this this parts, yes, we're affected by it, but there's a part of the journey that you don't have to explain to another mother, to another father. You just understand, you know, and I remember one, one, um, mother just taking me for lunch, going to a conference and we just connected and we just went for lunch. She just said, Nicole, I'm going to pick you up and come take you for lunch and just that bond. And so we, we check in with each other. How are you doing? How's your son doing? How's your son doing? You know, and we just check in with each other, you know, Mm-hmm. And, and that's what it is. It's, it's that check-in. We need more supports for families Yeah, because uh, we don't have it. We don't have the supports even at work. Um, so that was one of the challenges that trying to get employers to understand. If you have a, a, a loved one who may be suicidal um, and when you have to go on suicide watch, you need time off. When, um, if they're paranoid, you, you can't leave them alone because you don't know what can happen. Or sometimes, it, so it's, it's, the, the employment piece is so, support is so needed from employers. Um, you know, one of the challenges I found out there was a lack of support was, um, you know, people, they, There, there is in, in Canada, you can apply for self-employment if you have to care for, there's a caregiver benefit. Right. Um, but the challenges for caregivers with anyone with a mental illness, your loved one has to sign the papers you can't, you're not going to get someone with a mental illness to sign off and say that unless it's a really unique case to say that, um, they need your help for care mm-hmm. because most times when they're in crisis, they don't believe that they're in crisis. So it's, it's kind of, um, I, 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 I haven't even attacked that beast yet. Yeah. Uh, but that's a big beast that, um, people don't get. You, you don't get that self-benefit unless you're really fortunate to have someone who can sign off and say, yeah,
0: you know so yeah wow that's that's it's interesting you know i mean it's it's sad that the system doesn't support um mm-hmm. families a bit better when it comes to mental health because it takes a lot out of someone to have to number one go to different people's appointments and and mm-hmm. if you're hospitalized have to go to the hospital like this this is time that is taken, you know what I mean? So
1: time. And you have to get, what people don't know is that even when your loved one is in crisis, they still have the right to give, they have to give permission to the, the medical team to share information. So they may be uh, paranoid.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and, and if you could be the person that they think that is just trying to hurt them, you're not gonna get the permission. So then your hands are tied. And then when they get released from the hospital, they're coming home with you and you may not know what medication they're on. You may not know their care plan or their safety plan. So it's a big challenge when um, the Mental Health Care Act, um, as much as we wanna deal with the human rights of people, that when someone is unwell, especially in their mental health, um, and, and I'm not talking about, you know, if they may have slight depression or some anxiety, that's different, but when, you're dealing with things like psychosis, schizophrenia, bipolar, and multiple disorders and stuff like that. Um, if they're in a, in a place of crisis, families need to get involved and we, and we need to be given permission to learn and to know what's happening with our loved one because we have to take care of them. Right. And this is why you see so many uh, people are on the street right now um, because you know, they get out of the hospital too early uh, without getting the healthcare, um, you have these these lawyers that can get them out of the hospital, and they all talk to each other. And that's the thing: people get fooled because they don't understand when somebody's in crisis, even though they may be having a conversation like you and I. Mm-hmm. It's a conversation in in that mindset of where they are, and it could be a mindset where their mind is tricking them, their brain is tricking them. It's a brain disease that's affecting their mind and their thoughts, mm-hmm. and so. When when they're there and and, and dealing with that piece, um, it is um, it is really it is really tough for families because our hands are tied, and the doctors and the nurses' hands are tied because they wanna they wanna share or they need to get information, but we can't unless permission is given and unless that that first 24 hours of crisis you can share the information with doctors, but after that, and then everything is documented, so. I mean, there's so much to, there's so much to the system that you, uh, young people are being criminalized because their mental health is not being addressed and because they can get out of the hospital before they get treatment and then they end up doing something not out of no fault of their own, because they don't have the capacity. And this is a whole capacity. There's a whole big thing about capacity and consent, but that's for another show.
0: (laughs) Totally understand. Wow. So the next question I have for you is um, what can you do to support your child when they have a mental illness? What can you do as a mother? What are the different things that are available to you?
1: You need to get educated. You need to start learning about the system. Mm -hmm. You need to learn about the illness. Um, You need to let the medical team know that you're there and what can you do and what can't you, you need to learn your rights because it can be very shocking if you don't know your rights and your limitations Um, and you need to be very patient with yourself and with your loved one Um, because you may think that, okay, just like we're having this conversation, you could be having a really good conversation but it just may not make sense. And you're like they can just think themselves out of it. No, it's not. It's not as easy as thinking themselves out of it. Otherwise, why would they need medication?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and and I go back to the point of remembering it's a brain disease that affects the mind, the brain. Something has happened in the brain,
0: right.
1: and um, so. Education is 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 huge and, and really just talking and learning and patience, you gotta pack your patience. You gotta pack your patience and you gotta not blame yourself. You don't blame yourself when you when your loved one gets cancer. You don't blame yourself when your loved one has a heart attack. It's nothing that you've done where you could have prevented. It is what it is. And so, you know, um, and then asking for help where you need the help, um, knowing, you know. Knowing when it's too much, and um, yeah, but you gotta learn your rights, and and um, and don't blame your loved one, don't blame your child, don't blame your sister, don't blame your brother, because it's many gamuts. It could be anybody, you know. I sit in the the, the committee I sit on. Some people are dealing with their loved ones, siblings. Some people are dealing with their husbands, right. and Their wives. So um, and and this is it's it's very serious, and and just knowing what you can't and cannot do, and then knowing when you know, to be stern, but you have to really have a good med. you know, the, the important thing is to have a good medical team. And that's, that's key finding those people that can give you the support and the information that you need. Um, sometimes it's hard for me as well, cause it's not always there.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. My next question for you is, um, so what resources did you, did you find helpful, um, that were available to you in the community? actually that are available to help families with a mental illness in the community what's available what was helpful to you so what's
1: helpful I'll tell you what's helpful to me and what I also know that is out there so CAMH was 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 helpful to me um, the family resource center Mm -hmm. because you don't have to be a patient there anybody can go and if you're looking for information about mental illness but whatever type could be from Alzheimer's all the way the A to Z of mental illness they can help you Um, SAPASI, um, the the, the caregivers at SAPASI, the the medical team at SAPASI was good. Um, And now they have resources in our community like from CAFCAN, which is, um, I can't remember the acronym, but they're out of the JCN, they they provide mental health supports. Um, And um, now the Black Health Alliance is actually, has just gotten some funding to try and provide some support or connect with other individuals. But that, you know, CAMH has been my main set, source of support and, and friends. And now I'm actually looking at the Canadian Mental Health Association for, for support as well. Because right. they have some. They have a different program. and They have like a circle of people that surround you, which is very different. So it's not just a physician. You have a physician, a social worker. You have, you have a different, they have a team. right? And, and I think their model is really good. And so that's a model I'm interested in, in learning more about and probably even seeing we can get into.
0: Well, that team is called the uh, the Accelerated um, Care Team treatment right. team. Um, I I personally know about that because I actually have received resources from them. Right. I have I have my own ACT team where it basically what it is it's with the Canadian Mental Health Association, and basically that's where they have the. Um, your psychiatrist, your occupational therapist, your case manager, your um, nurses, all of them together and they come together and they meet with you how many times a week and they give you your medication, they monitor you, they they basically provide you help so that you can be well in the community so so it's more for outpatients. So yeah, really great resource, really great resource.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, that's what I love. And that's what I've heard. One of my friends, she, her son has a great team. So I'm like, yes,
0: that's what I, that's
1: what we need. Cause okay. you just never know.
0: Yeah, definitely. The next question I have for you is what are three things you wish you had available when you were at your lowest point?
1: Um, someone to, to just bring me some food. Um, someone who could tell me what the next steps were, what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and a place where I could just scream
0: <laughs>
1: I wanted a place where I could just go and just scream and then just come back and go okay I'm good now
0: okay. yeah just release
1: without anybody wondering okay she's screaming in her unit what's happening
0: yeah right right I needed a vacation by the water Vacation by the water, don't we all, don't we all? (laughs) That's what I I still need, but yeah. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Okay, and my next question to you is, how are you using your story to affect change in the mental health community now? What are you doing differently that, what is is your mental health um, journey? um, How has it helped you to affect change in the community, I guess?
1: Well, uh, one through my advocacy, um, sitting on um, the committee at CAMH for families, the family advisory committee. And at CAMH, I sit on some other committees. I sit on, um, com- you know, like I said, on like three or four committees at CAMH. So that's one part and bringing the family voice to those committees.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then I sit on um, uh, an organization called OFCAN. And so that's a, uh, an organization for caregivers mm-hmm. in Ontario. And I also am now providing some consultation. Um, uh, There's a team, a group of individuals they've called. um, It's called the Reach Out Toronto and they're providing um, insight and input into reports for the city in regards to how um, the police should respond or should they have, what team should respond to a mental health crisis. And then also using my voice on through the podcast, through interviews like yourself. And sometimes I get invited to speak. And I think that's how we met. Um, yeah. Yes. You know, so I was invited to speak by the Black Health Alliance and, and, just, and just sharing and, and just keeping people informed. And um, in 2021, on the podcast, I'm actually going to do a piece specifically um, for mental health. And, um, and wellness. So we're going to have a special show just dedicated to mental health and, and really focusing on caregivers.
0: Yes, amazing, amazing. Thank you. So what words of hope can you give to our listeners, especially mothers and um, caregivers that are dealing with um, children with mental health challenges?
1: There's opportunity in the crisis. Um, keep your hope alive. You know, hope deferred makes the heart sick.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: understanding that look at your child, look at your loved one with compassion and not judgment. Look at yourself with compassion and not judgment. This is this is what you you know, we talk about loving each other and unconditional love. Mm-hmm. This is when you really know, can I love somebody unconditionally? Because depending on what the illness is or how it may show up. It may not always be pretty. Um, for some, it can become very violent. For some, it can be very harsh. Um, for some, understanding. You have to stay in that mindset that if, if your loved one, for instance, go in, goes into psychosis, you must not take anything they say personally. Right. Do not take it personally. It's not about you. It's, this is their journey, and it's a hard journey. And um, and you know my my friend has this show and she has this course transforming your pain into power. What's the power you can find? How can tra- how can you transform this painful experience into one that's powerful for yourself and powerful for your loved one?
0: Right, powerful, powerful. So we are going to switch it up a little bit. Oh boy! Okay. <laughs> we're gonna switch it up a little bit as you can see behind me there is a book that's called music of my life okay it's about my journey with um music therapy and um, bipolar so my question to you is in regards to music therapy what type of music do you like i
1: like i like good gospel uplifting gospel music i like um caribbean jazz Mm. i like jazz i like uh certain kinds of african music okay yeah, i love african music i love south african music okay and of course, of course.
0: as a Trini, i love Soca. you know <laughs> i love it love it love, love it, so it love it yeah okay so with that said if you were to think of a song that best describes your journey what would it be and why Oh God, a song that would
1: describe my journey. That's a hard one because I have different songs with different parts, you know? Like the song that's coming to me right now is Bob Marley's One Love. Okay. You know, every little thing is going to be all right. You know, I'm going to try not to cry. You know, when he says, three little birds outside my doorstep, singing songs of melodies, sure and sweet. This is my message to you. Every little thing is going to be all right. Baby, don't worry about a thing. Yes, because every little thing is going to be all right
0: yes i love that song love 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 that song so nicole how can we stay in touch with you what are your social media handles oh well it's pretty easy it is victory
1: speaks with an s s p e a k s seven and you can find me on twitter you can find me on instagram and you can find me on youtube with victory speaks seven and then i do live interviews um, every Monday at seven so far, it's every Monday at seven on, on Facebook live Mm -hmm. and it's victory speaks 77. So you can see, I love the number seven, right? I was born in the seventh. Seven is a number of perfection and completion. So seven is my number. You know, my sisters and I are seven, seven years apart. My son was born on my birthday, which is the seven. So seven is seven is pretty deep in my life. Yeah. I'm embedded in the seven. So Victory speaks seven for the main the main places, and Victory speaks seventy seven for Facebook Live, and you can watch you know some great interviews there with some phenomenal people.
0: Amazing. All right. Well, well, thank you so very much, Nicole, for coming on our show and sharing your gems with us. I'm pretty sure that you would have definitely encouraged some um, caregiver out there that is dealing with um, mental health in the family. So thank you so very much for sharing your story. And uh, with that said, and to all you resilient minds out there until next time. Um, please subscribe to us on all our platforms and don't forget to rate the show and leave a review for us on apple Podcasts. also join the community of resilient minds and sign up for our monthly newsletter at cleonecrawford.com be sure to grab a copy of my book the music of my life on all amazon marketplaces to get to know me better and if you can think of one person that can receive value from today's episode or connect with nicole's testimonial please share it with them Feel free to take a screenshot of today's, of this week's episode of the podcast and tag us on Instagram. You can tag myself at only Cleone or Resilient Minds 365 and today's guest at victory speaks seven. And remember mental health is not a death sentence. Despite your illness, you can strive, you can thrive and you can live a life of abundance until next time. I'm Cleone Crawford and I'm signing off.